Hello and welcome to Shades and Layers. I'm your host, Kutwa Nuskosana Ritchie, and this is episode four of season four. This week, my guest is Amber Anderson, who is the co-founder of Totem Pairs, a women plus insights and brand studio. What that means is that they use data to help their clients to design brands, content, and campaigns that center women. Totem Pairs helps clients in three core areas, diversity in the workplace within the tech industry, healthcare, as well as education. Amber will explain how they work and share why she thinks these are crucial areas in which an organization like hers can and should make an impact. Our conversation also gets into why she became an entrepreneur herself in the first place and how that journey is going so far. This was a fun chat with a lot of gems that you can hopefully use in your own entrepreneurial journey. As usual, I started by asking the question, how would you describe your work? And this is what Amber had to say. Yeah, so so I own a branding and insight studio called Toten Pairs. We are a women plus studio, which means we focus on women um, and all of the people that they love and that are connected to them. And the reason I started the studio is because I felt in many situations in my life that I was invisible, um, whether that be I was at work um, or throughout my pregnancy as a little girl. Um, I just felt like the viewpoints that I had and the experiences that I shared never met the dominant narrative. And therefore, my needs oftentimes were overlooked and I had to fit in. And so uh, what we do at Toten Pairs is we bring light to people who are living on the margins, specifically mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. so that companies can connect with them in a more authentic way and create products and services and experiences that meet our needs. Mm. Why do you think that this is important work? Uh, so, well, for a couple of reasons. On the consumer side, women make over 85% of consumer purchasing decisions in the United States. That means usually a woman is influencing the decision on what food you bring into the house, what clothes are purchased, where uh, family members go to doctors. Um, all of those decisions are usually run through a woman. Um, and so understanding what she's looking for and what her needs are helps you ensure that you're providing products and services that meet those needs. On the employer side, which is companies that are trying to recruit and retain women, it's important because women in the United States are 42% are the breadwinners for their family, which means um, they need to work. But Mm -hmm. being able to be in an environment where I feel included, again, that my needs are understood and met so that I can work and do so in a space that's welcoming of me uh, is really important to us. So uh, understanding women means you understand your target audience and you're able to deliver in a way that meets their needs. Mm. And do you think um, this is a recognized need, let's say, compared to 10 years ago when you started out? Yeah, I I definitely think that people understand women's influence more today. What I think is still missing is the intersectional nature of our identities. And what I mean by that is uh, the needs of women drastically vary depending on her experiences and who she is and how she identifies. So for example, uh, it's one thing to talk about a mother uh, who has a child who's two years old. It's another thing to talk about a Black woman who has a child who's two years old with special needs. Mm -hmm. Their needs and experiences are drastically different. The experiences of their children and the services that they are provided with are drastically different. And so when you start to add on those layers of our identity, 
race, mm-hmm. culture, mm-hmm. language, sexual orientation, immigration status, all those things change what we need. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think companies understand that they need to connect with women. I don't think that they understand the nuances of how our identities blend and blurred to change uh, the way that you need to reach us. And that's where Toad and Pears fills the gaps. Yeah. So how do you simplify it uh, in a way that it's understood and also effective in uh, product design, service design? So I think that the way that we do it uh, is we talk about uh, really starting with humans. And so there's like this three tier process for us at Toad and Pears. We call it the Toad and Pears way. You start by identifying what are the characteristics characteristics of the human that you're trying to connect with. Let's not add on identities like gender just yet. Uh, As humans, we fundamentally have, you know, similarities. Uh, Then you add on the individual layers. What happens when you add on the layer of gender? You add on the layer of race. And we actually take our clients through an exercise where we show them, well, this is how things change when you add on those layers. Then you create what we call a persona. Um, And so we have a better sense of at the end of the day, how our audience is going to uh, shift their views, and then how we can react to that as a company once we've identified those personas. What is traditional is that people jump right to the personas. And what we recommend, and we do it to in pairs, is we take you back uh, to the archetype, and then the layers, and then we end with personas. That's kind of the first phase of what we do. Mm. Then we work with the companies to help them build their products and services around those needs, And then market them in a way that has language and movement that aligns with the journey of their customer. Mm. That's really, really um, an amazing approach. And, you know, you say there's a bit of a change in terms of uh, understanding. Um, How do you, on your end, apart from, you know, the bottom line considerations, how do you evaluate success in this um, field? Mm. So for us, the way that we approach our work, which is very different than a traditional branding and advertising and marketing agency, is it's based off of how many opportunities are we filling or problems are we solving through the work that we do with our clients. So for example, the last three years of work for Toten Pairs has been focused around solving a very specific need. And all of our resources went towards that. Uh, We have three core areas that we focus on. The first one is being able to diversify the workplace and making sure that the workplace is inclusive because like I mentioned, so many women uh, require work in order for them to sustain their families. Um, And in the last three years, we spent our time on that space specifically around technology Uh, very data-driven. So everything we do. So I'll give you the three examples uh, and that'll help you kind of understand it. But when it came to work, what we were trying to solve for was that by 2030, 20% of all jobs will be eliminated by automation. Mm -hmm. And that is going to come down to women and people of color who are going to lose those jobs. And so we selected uh, clients that were solving that gap. We worked with all of the major women in tech organizations in the world that we felt were doing really substantial work that we were Mm. proud to be part of. Uh, And we helped them decide on the type of ways in which they could connect with diverse audiences and then build brands and marketing campaigns that would get them closer to that. And in that work, we've we've reached over a million uh, women through that body of work. So to us, that's success in which we were able to put a really wonderful company or multiple companies in, in front of the audience that needed them. Uh, the second yeah. area that we focus on, yeah, the second area we focus on uh, and we'll be doing more work on is healthcare. 
Um, and there we lean into the high mortality rate of mothers and then other spaces in which children and people of color and women um, and families just are not getting the needs that they their needs met in that space, primarily because it's a process-driven industry versus a people-driven industry. Mm-hmm. And so our goal in healthcare is to put the people back uh, in the forefront. Mm, yeah. And then the third one is education. Um, that's where my background comes from, where we can continue to work with organizations that are helping um, get people the tools that they need, access and information so that they can go on and sustain their families. So we have those three focus areas and we see impact by making sure we're connecting with the best companies in those areas to try and bridge those gaps. Mm. Education is your background and then you chose the other two um, areas to focus on. I mean, how, how did you select these? Um, there are so many arenas where women are left out and particularly, you know, women and people of color. So how do you go about narrowing it down and saying, OK, that's where um, we can make a difference? Yeah. So it's it's actually started for me in education. I was a tech consultant Um mm where I was working with organizations that were universities primarily and community colleges. And I just realized really quickly that there were gaps. One of the major deciding points for me was I was sitting in a room for a a company and I knew that their degree program was not good. As Mm -hmm. in people were going through the program, they were spending a a substantial amount of money. And at the output, they weren't able to get jobs that allowed them to make the amount of money that was necessary to pay back those loans. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was sitting in the room and my job was to work with the marketing department to help them get in front of their audience. And Mm -hmm. my team was doing data analytics. So we knew who the customer was. We knew their behavior. We understood what motivated them. And it was to use that data to help the marketing team create persuasive messaging. And in the room, we were able to point out that the target audience was a Black woman with children, primarily African-American, because she would believe that the degree would change the future of her children's lives. And I'm sitting in the room with $40,000 in debt because my mother and my auntie told me that education was good debt and that you should take out the loans. And that was a real big moment in time for me where I realized the power of marketing, the power of data and technology, and how if it was put into the wrong hands, the influence it would have on communities that Mm. I cared about, Mm. people that I cared about, um, and what could I do to be able to make sure that I didn't do that anymore? More importantly, what could I do to help use the skills that we had to be able to better the lives of people in those communities? And so that's kind of where I got my start where I was thinking there's something that I can do differently here. Obviously I have an extreme amount of talent, but I want to be able to do it in a way that betters people that I care about. And that's how I got the start for education for healthcare. um, Similarly, I had a really bad experience when I delivered my son Mm. and I had read about it before, but I didn't understand it. Uh, And so to go through the healthcare system in the United States as uh, African-American woman um, was eye-opening for me. And then it made me think of my experience and what is it like for other people? So like I said, you Mm. know, disabilities, et cetera. Mm. Um, And that's how I got there. And then on the diversifying work, it, it comes back to just the data showing that women are highly underrepresented in some areas of work also just have different needs that aren't just that aren't being met 
and um, feel like we're uniquely positioned to understand those needs and help companies do better work and in, in filling the gaps. Mm. How did you get the confidence to start a business of your own? Yeah, I'm what they call a necessity entrepreneur. So <laughs> I would say that, um, I, I think that's a really good question. I remember I was leading a session. I had played softball in college mm-hmm. um, and I was leading a session for some younger girls. And one woman asked me, yeah, girl, she was probably, I don't know, 17 years old, asked me, how do you get confidence? And I said, it's something that I work on every single day. And I meant that from the moment I said that when I was in my 20s to, I think, today. I don't think that confidence is something that um, I nurtured. I think I had a foundation by my parents right. where they told me I could do anything that I wanted to do. And that certainly stuck with me. I think I have a personality that's very driven mm-hmm. and passionate. And I think the other piece is just when you're backed in a corner, you make decisions um, to move forward or you make a decision to stay where you are or to move back. And, and my personality and me being backed in corners has pushed me to always move forward. So that's kind of how I, I think I carry on my entrepreneurship journey. Mm. What pushed you into that corner? Yeah. So it started off with me working in the uh, tech space and feeling like I was really having a hard time um, fitting in, always moved forward, grew very quickly. I was leading large teams of 300 people around the world in my 20s. Mm. Um, and it took everything out of me to do that. Um, when I decided, my husband and I decided we were going to have our son, um, we had been together at that point 12 years mm. and felt that it was the right time. Uh, I knew work was really difficult and that I would always be on the move. And I said to myself, when the baby comes, I'll have an excuse to not be able to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will wait for that time to come. So I kept pushing and pushing through my pregnancy. And then at 31 weeks pregnant, so nine weeks early, I ended up going into labor uh, uh, with my son. So he was premature mm-hmm. uh, and I never went back to work from that moment uh, that he was born. I decided that I couldn't do it anymore Um, at the level that was required of me, as well as the bureaucracy that was just so heavy in the space that I was occupying, I wanted more for myself and I wanted more for my family. So entrepreneurship became a journey to find myself, um, a level of freedom to be able to have creative ideas, to be able to not be pigeonholed into projects that I didn't feel were beneficial Um, And also to just give me space to think about ways that I could be better. And I think it's been, you know, 10 years. So Mm -hmm. it's been a journey all 10 years. But um, that was what the catalyst was. It was my son and his birth and and wanting to be there, choosing motherhood. It takes such a different meaning once that happens. Yeah. 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 This is Shades and Layers today with guest Amber Anderson, the owner and CEO of Toten Pez. And uh, having had a premature baby myself, I can totally relate to how such a dramatic start to motherhood can make you rethink your personal and professional life. But that's a story for another day. Right now, let's find out how Amber's journey continues. Um, we talk now about how she and her husband, Kaishon Anderson, got their company off the ground. We discuss leadership styles and division of roles when working with your life partner. And uh, yeah, let's start with financing the business. 
And how did you get started, you and your husband, in this uh, business? Did you put in your own money, loans, etc., on the practical side of things? Yeah, we've always been uh, self-funded. So really practical and conservative in the way that we've run our business. Um, we are a service-based business. So one of the benefits of service-based business is it doesn't take a lot of capital to get started. Mm-hmm. It just took a lot of brain power. And so shifting from being a corporate employee to being a consultant was really helpful in that. Uh, we saved enough money to be able to take the leap. And we continue to just build based off of the revenue we brought into the organization. Mm. And uh, how has it been working with your life partner? You know, how do you find the balance between your roles at home and at work? Yeah, you know, it's it's never been a challenge. I could, I had a business partner um, that I had tried for another company before uh, Kaisan got heavily invested. And I can't tell you, for me, my husband is, you know, the best person Uh, I could have ever worked with because he understands me. He recognizes uh, my intentions and the value I bring. I think he's uh, got complementary skills. Uh, and so for us, it's it's been wonderful working together, especially in a smaller business where you realize pretty quickly that the money that's in the business is the same money that's in your personal. You yep. might separate yep. out the accounts, <laughs> but the reality is it's the same, right? Yep. So decisions that I were making were directly impacting him. And so being able to have it intertwined is just good for us. It helps Mm -hmm. me make smart decisions. Um, And I think that for me, that was really important. I also think having someone who believed in me was really important. Um, Like I said, I had a business partner before. And I think one of the challenges was uh, sometimes it felt like a competition and not a collective. Mm. Um, And in our marriage and in our partnership, Um, we're just a wonderful team. So I I absolutely adore everything about him and and the fact that he is the person that I get to go to work with and and be at home with every day. Mm, mm, Fantastic. And how are you structured? Do you have a team around you? We do. Yeah. So we are, uh, the way that we position ourselves as a studio is we try and center our work around having people work on the projects that reflect the audience. Um, And so you have our core team um, and then you have freelancers that we bring in that can speak directly to the things that we're trying to tackle. So for example, if we're working on a project surrounding a woman who has a child with special needs, we usually will bring in an expert or a team member who specializes or has experience directly with that life experience Mm -hmm. um, to work on the project. So we work in pods. Uh, There's generally going to be a brand strategist that's going to be leading the understanding of the company's needs, the market, and our audience. Then we'll have uh, writers who will come on board to help give words wings and really get the messaging out through the verbally um, or through the written word. And then we'll have designers that are being engaged. Uh, The designers are responsible for making sure visually we're telling the right stories. Uh, And then we'll just add on different team members to our core pod so that we can deliver. We are full service. So that means starting from the beginning with strategy and then navigating through the journey of the customers and the companies means that pod will go along with our customer along that way. And then the resources will come on and off based off of where we are in that process. Mm. Do you always uh, keep just an overview or do you sometimes get all hands in, all hands on deck um, with your team? Me personally? Yeah. Yeah, I lead strategy. So I'm always uh, today 
um, involved in making sure that we're delivering um, not just on the projects that we get on board, but also understanding the audience and providing guidance and recommendations on the ways in which we should be doing the work. So I today am both high level as well as I get my hands dirty in some project work as well. And I think that the goal for me is to always have some insights and influence mm-hmm. in the way that we do the work that we do. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I do. I do mm-hmm. get into involved. Mm-hmm. What's your strength as a leader? Empathy. Mm. I was, um, it's interesting. I was featured in <clears throat> the Wall Street Journal. Um, I think it was a week or so ago. And the article was around mistakes that leaders make uh, during COVID. And so I shared, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that I made from a business perspective is I decided to put um, a product on hold that we've been working on so that I could sustain that cash to be able to maintain the company for Mm -hmm. myself and my Mm -hmm. employees. And as a business, usually what people are thinking about is their bottom line. And I think one of the things that's been um, really important to me and the foundation of why I started the business is I wanted people to be at the center of that. That means having empathy for the people that are in my organization, the people that my organization reaches, um, the people that we're working with, being able to see them and allow us to make decisions that are good for people. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you lean on Kaisan for in terms of leadership? Mm-hmm. So Kaisan has, um, his approach, I think, is much more um, practical and humanistic, uh, as in he's very good at being able to read what people need and being able to take the emotion out of the decision making that goes and giving them that. So, for example, it might be, you know, we're having a conversation with an employee who's really having a hard time. For example, I mean, we, we're in the middle of a pandemic. People mm, have lost mm. loved ones. Right. And so, you know, recognizing, you know, you're having a hard time because you have gone through a lot and we see you and we see that. So here's what we can do to make sure that you feel supported throughout that time mm. uh, and having a practical way to be able to go about that um, while also keeping in mind that the business needs to sustain. Um, and how do we do both? I think he's very strong at that. Mm. Uh, and I lean on him heavily for being able to advise in those areas. Yeah. What do you look for when you're looking for team members? Yeah, so I, I definitely feel like empathy is a trait that carries throughout everybody that works for us at Toten Pairs. The ability to see people mm-hmm. um, and really see people is necessity for us. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's really important is kind of this level of commitment and ownership. So when we take on a project, there's significant um, impact that we're looking to provide. And so having people who want to complete the work um, are excited about the work and take it to heart, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So that we can be successful are probably the two main qualities. I think there's things like, you know, obviously technical skills, sure. but in many cases, those things can be trained. But it's do you see people? Do you care? And are you committed? If you are those three things, then usually we've got space for you at Totem Pairs. Mm, fantastic. So who have been your guides, mentors, so to speak, uh, throughout your career? Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, I would definitely say I had a strong foundation with my parents, um, as in they're both, I call them movement babies, where mm. they were born here in the United States, African-Americans whose parents fleed the South up north looking for better opportunities and they found themselves stuck between the civil rights movement and the feminist movement and so they raised their little girl to believe she could be anything and anyone that she chose to be and because of that i went on to do really amazing things um whether it was to be the first in my family to go to college to playing in a college world series um working in a corporation as the youngest only woman of color in a leadership role uh, in my department, um, moving on to consulting university presidents. I mean, I've done some really amazing things in my life. And I think the foundation came from certainly my parents. And then when I left home, I got really fortunate to have some other people meet me along the way that saw me. Mm. Um, one in particular is a man named Steve Steve. And when I was working in corporate, uh, I was planning on going to law school originally. So I had gotten this really um, easy administrative assistant job. And I was talking in the break room to a woman and Steve overheard me and said, I think you're overqualified for the position that you're in. Do you have any interest in getting into tech? And I didn't know anything about tech at that time. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that is. Um, but he saw me. Right. And yeah. he went out and said, you know, well, here's the job description. I think you should apply. And once I applied and got the job, um, people had a really hard time with seeing such a young person in the role. Mm. And I knew I could always go into Steve's office. He would provide guidance on like, here's the ways in which you handle this type of a project, or here's how you handle situations in which people are giving you a hard time in corporate America, or here's a new project that I think you should try. Yes, it's going to be a stretch for you but I think it's a good opportunity. So those kinds of things where you could see that he gave me a chance mm. um, were really big. And still to this day, 15 years later, I talk to Steve every two weeks. Um, now my needs for him have changed, right? right? I can talk to him about, we're looking at buying a house or we're looking at uh, my son is this, or you know, at work it's this, That's or how fantastic. do you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think because he had a level of insight, um, he just became a wonderful role model for me, both professionally and personally. And mm -hmm. so I'm grateful for mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Um, and then I think I have one other person. I would say my I played softball at Arizona State University and uh, my coach there. Uh, same thing. I think she saw something in me. And gave me opportunities that went way beyond the field. Even mm. to this day, you know, like I said, I'll call and ask just for guidance because I know fundamentally that she sees me yeah. and she believes in me. Yeah. Um, and I think those types of relationships can come in so many different forms. And I'm grateful um, for all of those people that have come through my life. That's the only reason I am where I am today. Mm. What's your mantra? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what my mantra is. I think it's um, it's probably to just keep going. There's something on the other side, right? Like for me, I, I think that the most impossible things that I've ever dreamed of are things that were easily conquered once I stepped into the space of making my mind decide that was something I was going to do. So um, I think it's about keeping going, believing, um, doing it just doing it mm -hmm. 
My guest today on Shades and Layers is Amber Anderson, who owns the Insights and Brand Studio Totem Pairs. It's now time to go down memory lane and find out about Amber's life story, starting with her top three childhood memories. Hmm. So I would say, you know, I, I go back to my my parents. Uh, one, I think that's really funny is that my mom uh, and my dad, again, told me I could be anything and I could be everyone anything and any, and I could be better than anyone I wanted to, if I put my mind to it. And so I think I took that literally when I was younger. And I remember my mom pulling me aside and saying, cause I was very bossy. It was called bossy back then. Right? <laughs> um, yeah. And for most little girls, that was deemed a negative quality for you to be taking the lead um, and trying to lead other people. So I was probably maybe seven or eight. Um, and I was, taking my neighbors through an exercise where I was telling them exactly what I wanted them to do with their dolls and how the, the cars were supposed <laughs> to be lined up. And my mom pulled me aside and said, I really love your leadership qualities. Um, but there's a way in which you talk to people so that they'll do the things that you'd like them to do. So let me give you some advice on that. So she proceeds to kind of help me understand that you could influence people without having to be bossing, right? Or mean right. to them, right? Um, and then she ends with, and if you don't change, you're not going to have any friends. Like, <laughs> like you're going to have to change. So let's make sure we go through this together. And so I think that's, you know, one of the memories that will always be with me because I can still see it to this day. Mm. Um, the look in her eyes of sincerity, right? Um, mm. Was there, I, I think for for my dad, I remember my dad was um, used to work every day. He'd go to work at like three in the morning. Um, we were working class. And um, I remember he would, before he left, turn on the shower uh, so that the bathroom would be warm for us. So when we got up, the bathroom would be warm and we would have, a beautiful introduction to our day. Aww. And I think that speaks to the type of man that my father was. He would cook, just very aware. And it also is very much aligned with the type of man that my husband is, that yep. he will do similar things, right? Um, those simple things of like, to be mindful of how you could leave something behind for someone that makes them know that you saw them and mm. that they were special to you. Yeah. Um, so I would say that that's the second memory. I have to think of a third memory. I'm not sure right now that I have one. Those are the two that really stick out to me the most. Are you an only child? I'm not. I have a, an older brother and a younger sister. Mm. And what role have they played in your life in terms of where you are now? Mm. Well, you know, I mean, I think what's interesting is family dynamics can be so interesting. And um, my sister had a lot of medical issues mm -hmm. and being aware and mindful of what that's like for families where you, you can't just do things easily because you have someone who has medical issues was something I was always very hyper aware of. Mm -hmm. um, and then my brother um, is someone that I didn't have an opportunity to get very close with, but I always really loved. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that looking at the two of them from two different lenses has always given me very much perspective that you could see three people in the same household that were totally different people. Yeah. Yeah. You each have your personal journey, so to speak. Yeah. 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 Mm. So if you had to write a memoir, what would it be called and why? 
You asked me. I know you prepped me for this question. I couldn't come up with a really great answer. Um, I think it's, I don't know if I have a title. Uh, for sure, I think it's a story about a journey and the layers that we, we wear. So maybe I would call it layers. Um, for me, I think people on the outside, they see a successful businesswoman, but they don't understand all the different things that went into creating this person mm -hmm. and all the things that I think about on a daily basis to sustain and maintain, right? And mm -hmm. I think my memoir would be about exposing those layers. So then you could look at me and say, wow, how did you get here, Amber? Mm -hmm. um, and I think if we did that for everyone, we would have just such a higher level of understanding and empathy in the world. So maybe it would be called layers. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're confident, you're influential. When somebody says imposter syndrome to you, what comes to mind? True story. <laughs> right. um, yeah, I, 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 uh, like I mentioned, I think confidence is something that I work on every day. There's always something um, that I think I could be better at. Uh, I think that I'm my hardest critic. And uh, part of being good at entrepreneurship is not let the voices in your head overtake your actions. Mm, yeah. And, and that's the work that I think imposter syndrome um, represents to me. It's that you feel a certain type of way. Now the work is to make sure that that doesn't stop you mm -hmm. and that you reshape that narrative. Yeah. So this is what we see of you from the outside, you know, entrepreneur, successful, and, you know, very confident. How would your son describe you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Kind. Mm -hmm. um, loving. Strict. Funny. Mm -hmm. Smart. Fantastic. Why strict? Um, because I have very particular rules and he needs to follow them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like, you know, he, his friends might be able to, we're, we don't do a lot of electronics mm -hmm. in our house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, where other parents are letting their children play video games and, um, watch TV, you know, we are big on putting those things away and we have dinner together every day. We yeah. have story time, we have board games, we have, we call it kittles, which is hugs and kisses, mm -hmm. where we do for 15 mm -hmm. minutes every day. So the strictness is, this is our routine. We are together. Mm -hmm. That's where we spend our time. And you do get those luxuries, um, but those aren't the dominant in our house. And so yeah. it feels strict compared to other people, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But it's only because I want to embrace that time together and I want him to learn to live. Yeah. yeah. And not just be lost in somebody else's world all the time. Yeah. It's a tough balance, right? It is. It's yeah. getting harder every day. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And how would your husband describe you? He would um, describe me as smart. Mm-hmm. Um, Loving, kind. We do this, actually, these exercises. So I'm going off words he says already. Mm. 
Yeah, I think he would say I'm smart, loving, and um, kind, a good person. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So if you had to give advice to somebody who wanted to start a business today, a woman particularly who wants to start a business today, what would be the first thing that you tell them to do? Uh, I would say to identify why you want to start a business and get really, really clear on that. Um, because being in business is wonderful if you are doing it for the right reasons. Um, because it requires commitment. It requires time. It requires money. It requires your soul sometimes. Um, and you want to make sure that you're giving those things away for the things that you care about, things that you're passionate about, mm. um, things that have purpose. Otherwise, it's a limited life that we have. So we don't want to be spending it on things that we don't love. Yeah. Great. Amber, I could talk to you all day long. I know there's another business that we haven't touched on, but that means we need to have a part two. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, it was such a pleasure to be on. I'm really grateful for the opportunity and the fact that you chose me. Thank you very much. And uh, where can people find you on the internet? Sure. You can find me at Tote and Pears, which is T-O-T-E-A-N-D-P-E-A-R-S dot com. Or at Tote and Pears on the social channels. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And that is all from Shades and Layers this time around. Thank you for listening until the end of this episode. Do spread the love by sharing this episode and others that you like from Shades and Layers with friends and family. You can also stay in touch via Instagram and Facebook using the handle at Shades and Layers Podcast. One word. Until next time, please do take good care.